0: This it feels we are electric eels going like a wheel. round like wonder round.
1: round. Welcome to TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. The presenting sponsor of TalkScript is Sitepen, a JavaScript consultancy helping companies improve their apps, tools, and teams. Check it out at sitepen.com. Let's find out if TalkScript is your type of podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to the TalkScript podcast. I'm your host, Brian Forbes. I have with me today, Paul Shannon. Howdy, all. Nick Neesey. Hey there. And Neil Roberts.
1: It's an honor just to be nominated.
0: <laughs> today, we've got a fun-filled episode. We're gonna Let's not so-
2: promise stuff, Brian. Uh,
0: well, I'm going to have fun with it. Before we get started, though, got some typescript community updates first one is that typescript 3.3 is out it's it's one of those incremental releases on a release schedule there's not a whole lot to it Um, you've got better union type calling so if you've got two callable types that you've unioned together it figures out commonality the, the commonality yeah
1: yeah it can even do it with like functions as well which is really neat
0: yeah yeah the composite project building has gained incremental file watching. So that'll be nice. Those are the two things that came in TypeScript 3.3. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a smaller release. We've got uh, Dojo 5 that's out um, with uh, con- conditional f- polyfills, some uh, better build time rendering. There's, there's a whole lot, actually, in this release. We're going to put the uh, blog post into the show notes, and you can check that out. But the the two that I thought were kind of neat were the conditional polyfills, and better build time rendering.
3: I'm excited for the assertion templates. That'll make testing much easier.
0: Can you do a quick rundown of what that is?
3: Yeah, it just lets you define in your tests a what a render for this should be. So you can say that you know what in a default render of of this widget, this is the expected VDom output, and just have that in a one function in a an assertion template wrapper and then you can do little modifications to that so that you can change it to be what you would expect it for later tests down the road instead of having to have your test full of the same tree over and over and over for everything you can just make the small tweaks that you want and then just test those tweaks
0: yeah yeah, that's pretty that's pretty nice
2: yeah that is good because you'd usually have to pass a bunch of parameters to some sort of build function that would build it and then hand it off to your test harness right so you could just modify your 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 VDOM right now, that's nice.
0: Yeah, it'll keep the test more concise. Exactly. The other thing that we've got for the community updates is that the Angular 8 plan is out. There's quite a bit in there, uh, but the three things that I thought were, uh, that looked pretty neat is that uh, there's they're working on better loading for modern JavaScript. I call it differential loading. Um, and I would imagine it has to do with the capabilities of your browser and loading certain chunks based on that. The other thing was uh, the opt-in for the new Ivy renderer. They've been working on the Ivy renderer for a while, and so you can opt in, You'll be able to opt in to that in Angular 8. They're also working on Web Worker integration and bundling, um, so offloading some of some of your application will be made easier in Angular 8.
2: I I don't know much about Angular. Do you know anything about the Ivy render, Brian, or what they're trying to accomplish?
0: I'm working on an Angular application for one of our customers, but I think we're still on Angular 5, and I haven't really kept up with with the news. So I don't know a whole lot about Ivy, but they've been been talking about Ivy for a while. So it's supposed to be the new great thing.
3: Yeah, I haven't used it much, but uh, I think one of the things, and I'm not sure if this is tied directly to ivy or not but one of the really cool things is that they are setting up web components as a build target and so you can build angular apps with like the full dependency injection and all of that and then output just a web component just like you can in dojo and then use that without all of the and, and use that within other apps that don't necessarily have to be angular
0: so that'll be nice and that's it for the community updates the exciting stuff of it now we're on to some exciting stuff. We talked a little bit about some of what we're going to talk about in our TypeScript roadmap, and today is the day where we sit on our porch as old crotchety. Yeah, that's a great word, uh, old crotchety JavaScript TypeScript engineers.
1: I feel I feel like our our combined JavaScript experience is like a hundred years or something like
0: that. It's it's. <laughs> It's something that's, like that's that, probably right? accurate, yeah. It's probably collectively, we're gonna sit on our porch and shake our cane at the world and say, Get off my lawn. But
2: those aren't human years, those are JavaScript years. That's JavaScript, exactly.
0: Exactly. I have more t-
1: than 20 years, so you guys must have close to I'm that. Get,
0: I'm getting close to that. I think I have like 15.
1: Oh, okay. So we're getting close, we're getting close to old age.
0: So we're gonna take a look at some of these uh TC39 proposals that are coming up. Some of which we talked about in an earlier episode and and teased. Others we found and uh, we're gonna talk about them.
3: So ever since I guess yes, 2015, right? They, there's been a new proposal process that all new features to the language go through. And before this, we re- there really I don't know what the process was. <laughs> Chaos, <laughs>
2: chaos.
3: Yeah, there, there hadn't been a release of JavaScript like with new features since two thousand nine, and there was one that was tried in two thousand eight, but it failed. That was ES four, and then before that, I think it was nineteen ninety
2: nine. ES four became ActionScript three, I think. Yeah, So okay. it was adopted by somebody. It
0: yeah. was adopted by Flex, actually.
2: Yeah, there were,
3: yeah, were a lot of features Flash. in there.
2: And
0: there, there was cool
2: things in there, like um, E4X, which was
3: kind of like a React-style JSX, or not React-style, but JSX-style syntax for creating DOM nodes inline in your JavaScript. Yeah, and there's
0: was also uh, type, type safety as well.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that became MXML and all that other fun stuff in Flex and Flash. Oh, those were the days.
0: But yeah,
3: they, they were much too ambitious in that. And so it got dropped. And then a small subset of features were introduced in 2009 in ES5. And then we went six years with really nothing. But we did get like 30 new features in ES2015 in 2015. And they had started this new process where proposals can be submitted and championed by anyone in the community. And then they pass through this Proposal process where they they're at different stages. So stage zero is like complete chaos. Not like that's just forming formulation of things, and then they move on. Fe- from like a there. Fe-
1: fever dream, late night. <laughs> yeah. I have an idea post.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it, it may may or may not work. Like give it within the confines of the language, it's just kind of pie in the sky. This is something that would be cool to have in the language and make uh, make our lives easier. Then from there. Things can move into stage one, and so this is the proposal stage, where they actually do get a champion and start to
2: develop the API. Stage one is still a mess. I mean, it's just less of a mess.
0: <laughs> well, it's a little less. It's, it's a little less pie in the sky, and it's more. Hey, uh, let's actually start to hash this out.
1: Yes, yeah, the the philosophy and the approach and and how it might work.
3: Yeah. So it's identifying potential challenges, describing the specific problem that's trying to be solved, and really using that to just make a case for it. It really doesn't have to have anything from there, but there might like this is also a good place to where we can start testing things with polyfills or like a, a Babel plug-in things like that to to experiment with it without actually like putting it into the language itself. And that that's really important, I think. It's really important that you don't use things that are stage one because the syntax might completely change.
0: As we'll see later. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: It might not even be adopted. Like stage one is really early and there's a lot of proposals in stage one right now.
3: Right. But I, I think it's cool that like we have this process with transpilers like Babel that these features can be implemented and then people can actually play with them and try them out. Shouldn't do that in production, but it's cool that you can actually do that and see what the outcome would be. So that's, that's pretty cool. Now, what is something that is in stage one right now?
2: I think we wanna talk about pipes in stage one because I've, I've seen some popularity among that. And pipes is a proposal where you can basically take a value and then pipe it into functions using a pipe and a alligator. You know, what is it, a, a greater than sign? Them
0: there's some export semantics. The observables are in stage one, promise try. There's a stage one proposal for a JavaScript standard library. So, I mean, it's still kind of the Wild West, but I mean, they're formalizing semantics and seeing, all right, is this actually gonna work rather than just kicking around ideas?
2: Yeah, and having, being in stage one means you've got buy-in from at least one other person that's related to the the committee. So it's like, you know, if you if you have a great idea and you get buy-in, that that means that at least somebody agrees with you.
3: Yeah. And we should also note that this is like as things progress through these stages, it's all done based on I think committee votes that happen I don't know how many times a year. I think 6 times a year maybe. Quite a few times a year, but they're all in-person meetings and everyone who goes, uh, I think I heard have to double check this but I think I heard that it was something like 60 there's 60 people who go now and they all vote on what will advance to the next stage
0: now I could I could be wrong about this but I believe how it works is as it's moving through so like to go from stage one to stage two essentially as as long as there's no no votes it can move right yeah so it, you don't have to have like a positive vote now I could be wrong about that. Uh, if I am somebody, correct me. I think Brian's that's never correct. been
2: invited to the TC thirty nine committee. So. I haven't. <laughs> I think it's like they,
3: everyone has equal veto power. Yes. Yeah. So what, what I'm hearing is we should get Brian on that so he can be the.
0: <laughs> I can just veto everything. <laughs> the
3: vetoer in chief.
0: That's right. I'll be like Russia <laughs> on the on the uh, the UN.
3: So that's stage one.
0: Stage one. Yep. So stage two would come next which is the the draft stage. So in this in this stage you're not just proposing things you're actually you actually have to start writing your your draft. You have to formally describe the semantics of what you want in your proposal.
2: Yeah, and formal description is very a very loose term still in this stage. It's not like you the specs that you typically see but by the time you get out of stage two and, and into stage three, it should be a lot better defined. And most of the cases should be identified as like whatever corner case you could run into, what other issues, how it interacts with other recent JavaScript semantics. All of those things should be kind of described in your stage two draft.
0: Right. So what are, what are a couple of things that are in stage two? So I think the one
2: most interesting to us as typescript people is decorators and it's been in stage 2 for a long time i think because of its some interesting approaches that it's taking weak refs is another one that's kind of interesting um so you have your weak maps and weak sets but those require kind of lookup semantics but a weak ref would be more attached to like a variable like you might in i know java has like the concept of various weak references
0: Something that can change to, to null, essentially, right out from under you.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: Another one that, that I think is kind of neat is top-level top await. Top that's just nice to have.
3: Yeah, that's that's one of those things that, like, I mean, you can easily just create an Async function and call it from the top level. And and it's super easy, but this is just, like, a little bit more sugar to just make it just flow a little bit better. It's it's so much, it's, I don't know, I'm just excited for it, even though it's it's not really going to change my life all that much. I'm still excited.
0: It'll be nice in interactive sessions on the console, in the Node REPL, to have the the top level await. And we should
3: note that the top level await is actually available, I think, in all of the browser consoles. I'm not sure about Node.
0: Okay. And like you said, it'll be it'll just be a lot easier to write to write modules with top level await. Sorry, uh, scripts, not not just modules. Oh, for sure. So after stage two comes stage three.
1: Yeah, I think this is the one where people, when they hear. Proposal. They think of this stage.
0: This is this is where things are finalized. You've got sign off.
1: Called the can- the candidate stage.
0: Yeah, and this is where a lot of I believe browsers, you'll see things in stage three show up in Babel and TypeScript. So, for instance, some some things that that in stage three that you're that people that are using TypeScript are probably already familiar with is the, uh, dynamic imports, right? Yeah. Dynamic imports. That's really the big one. I, have, they put import.meta in, I forget. Uh, I'm not sure. I've, I know I've wanted that for so long. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's like one of the cool things about like AMD and, and like, uh, require JS and, and dojo one stuff is you could get information about where, like where this package exists and, and, you know, like, full path names and things like that. And I feel like that kind of stuff, that meta information about the module that you're creating is missing right now, but this would obviously add it back in.
0: And the big one that is in stage three right now that everybody, well, I don't know if everybody's talking about it, but we're going to talk about it is the, everyone's uh, talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah.
2: It's so popular. We could not talk about it.
0: I know the private instance stuff. uh, Well, we
1: talk about it internally.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Private instance, methods, fields static fields etc it's all kind of linked together and it's in stage 3
2: yeah this is the class member spec so it's not just the private members but it's class members and if you're in typescript you already got a lot of this stuff so it'll be an interesting to see how it kind of combines with what we already have
0: yeah and and it's it's rare when something gets to stage 3 it's it's rare that you'll see pushback the only time that you'll usually see pushback is if if there's something that just was unforeseeable about the browser implementation.
3: Mm-hmm. And this is also where TypeScript, for example, will consider things safe to start implementing if they can. So stage three right now, the top thing listed is global this. And that is proposed for TypeScript 3.4, which is expected in March, according to the roadmap. So once it gets to this stage, it's very unlikely that syntax is going to change. So it's from there, it's kind of safe to start using in your production code. And that's why TypeScript, for example, will start Adopting it into their syntax, and then that is a, a path forward for you to start using it.
2: What is global this window? Right? It's window, but this. Well, because
1: there's no window in like Node, for example, right? There's just a, a global. There's just variable. a global.
2: They've been trying to fix this problem for a long time. That'll be fun. So I'll have to look at that because I want to see what happens if you have a strict flag set, and you try to use a global this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh huh. All right. And then finally stage four, and that's where it is finished.
1: What are some interesting things in stage four, Brian?
0: Everything. <laughs> Everything that you Erase. see. Arrays. <laughs> Arrays. Object literal strings.
1: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah, so, so stage four doesn't mean it's in the browser yet, but it does mean that the spec has been accepted. No new changes are going to happen without going through the process again.
0: Now, some browsers may have already implemented it, but stage four means that browsers are free to implement it. Nothing's going to change. It's essentially part of the ECMAScript at that point. It'll be part of the next version. Yeah.
2: And to be honest, it used to be that stage four didn't mean browsers had it implemented, but I think to get out of stage three... I think you have to have two browsers implementing a spec, don't you, to get a spec approved? Or maybe that's another working group. So, I mean, there's really only two browsers left, right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I guess you have to have it implemented by stage four. Maybe I'm thinking of what WG or one of the other working groups. Yeah, I don't see that in the,
0: in the process document. That is
3: that is true, though, I think. And that that's interesting. And we should also note that It doesn't have to get to stage four before browsers will implement this. And with us maybe potentially moving towards a browser monoculture, we might see things that we're using much earlier available. Like, for example, we talked about the non-method properties proposal and and privates in stage three. Not the privates part of that, but the non-method properties part of that is available in Chrome right now. But this is all, like we said, it kind of all moves through a process at these meetings that they have, that TC39 has. And so that has already happened for this year, I believe, for 2019 and what will be in officially included in ES 2019. There's already eight things there. So these eight things will be what makes that up when it becomes finalized, I think around June or July. Yes,
0: sir.
2: It's not as great as 2016 where we got the power operator, but it'll do.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Some of the things, like, nothing here really, like, screams out to me as being, like, amazing. I mean, it's all good. It'll all be good and useful, I'm sure. Optional catch binding, adjacent superset, array.prototype.flat and flat map. You mean smush? Yeah. <laughs> no.
2: Yeah. Squash? No. Smushy squashy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So there's, there's a couple things that we want to talk about today, and uh, like I said shake our collective cane at the world first one is is the pipes proposal um it's in stage one so it's it's still just a proposal it's still being kicked around nothing has been formally described and actually as i understand it there's there's two competing proposals for pipes right now is that correct paul
2: There was, I think they're starting to merge the semantics together and trying to figure things out. I know that there's different semantics around how you do variable placement. So just to back up, pipes is essentially an operator that allows you to string the results of a function, essentially, or a value, essentially take the value from the left side of the pipe and then put it somewhere into a function on the right side. So you can do things like start a value And then pipe it into a function and then take the result of that function and then continue to pipe it it makes things look very fluid you know as a as a fluid type function where you you might see like a function and then it has like intern uses this for uh it's it's dig dug and and things like that where you'll have like a a session and then you will use the same semantics over and over again to interface with that session and it's all fluid in a way that you can you know use the return from that value to move into and take another action on that same object.
0: Another one would be would be jQuery, the the chaining operators.' they're very, they're very similar.
2: Yeah, RXjx is probably another one, the, 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 that fluid type syntax. And so the, it, it allows you to create kind of this fluid syntax, and' it's, it's, it's just kind of another way of doing this. If you've seen it, and I, I think I've shared it with everybody here. If you've seen the semantics for doing it, it, it makes your eyes cross.
1: Like, well, yeah, I'd say it definitely can. I think it feels like the fat arrow thing where like, there's a very elegant way to write it and then some very ugly ways to write it.
2: I think eventually most people will get into some level of complexity that forces you to write something complex with a pipe operator. And so for variable placement, so let's say you have a function that has multiple values. But you know the values of of two of them. It's just you don't know the value of of what you're passing in through your pipe. You know, you're piping it through and maybe you have like a default handler or something that you, you want to use. But the data that you're piping through, you need to place in the second or third or any number of function parameter locations. And so there's been two semantics suggested, either a question mark, and that's where the value will go, or a hash symbol or a pound sign. And so as you start to like add more and more of these things together, it gets harder and harder to read. And it feels to me a lot like Pearl in that it's, it's very concise and it, it's beautiful, but only three people will know how to use it. Eventually. I was going to um,
0: beautiful is a little subjective. <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing that, that really stands out to me in their first example, they've got let result equals hello, and then they pipe it into double say, and then pipe that into capitalize, and then pipe that into exclaim. And it seems very backwards from where the result's going to end up.
1: Backwards how? It's Left to right rather than right to left? The final
0: result ends up, I mean, if, if you think about this as, as like a sentence or something, the final result ends up at the end of the exclaim function, which is the furthest away from result. It seems like if we're going to pipe it, it should go right to left, like into your variable.
1: Yeah, if you're creating a variable, your variable is on the left, right? Like
0: it just it it just looks backwards because you're you're you've got your your storage container result and your arrows are going away from result and then they're going to and like the result is going to end up in result. It's just
2: it's understandable, but it's kind of a it's it's kind of like this expression that's evaluated and sure, the whole no, expression get gets, you know.
1: Yeah, but like with expressions you're talking about additive stuff whereas this is like wrapping things, right? Like it seems weird to wrap them left to right. That's, yeah, that's the semantics of a pipe really. Like
2: it, it happens the same way in, in Unix or Linux when you're, you're piping through strings and then you get your result either printed out to the screen or.
1: And it's sort of like chained functions anyway, right? Like chain functions happen left to right, but then the final right call still is the result.
0: Yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's completely out of the ordinary. That was the first thing that just stuck out to me that it's like, those arrows are going the wrong direction. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. See,
3: that didn't stick out to me until you said
0: it. <laughs> and now everybody's be like,
1: those arrows are wrong. Back, back to stage one.
0: Back to, no, it's the arrows are fine. One.
2: Everybody knows that the alligator eats the value, and then it, it <laughs> pushes it out the other direction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting a biology lesson. Uh, and the the initial example actually doesn't look too terribly crazy, right? discounting what i just said you know you've got hello it goes into double say goes into capitalize goes into exclaim that's great i mean that that looks fine where it gets a little crazy is when they start adding arrow functions into the mix and starting to to kind of pipe into these one-off arrow functions and so you've got pipes and arrows and underscores and question marks and later on they get in, there's a, there's extra opera. There's another operator. This is in the proposal itself. two proposals, right? Yeah. But in one of them, you've got a, you've got an operator with a plus sign and a greater, and a greater than sign.
2: Yeah. The additive pipe,
0: the additive pipe. So you've got all these extra and it starts looking like code golf, like you were saying like Pearl.
2: Yeah. So yeah, the additive pipe, there's a, so the example that, that I've seen with the additive pipe is you have an array and then you you have a map and then you use the additive pipe which is a plus and greater than symbol and then additive pipe it into a function and then the function results are added together essentially it's really interesting i mean you can do the whole you could do the whole thing with an arrow function but it's fewer semantics i guess or, or fewer yeah it's it's fewer stuff you have to write i guess it, it just my big concern about like these pipeline is the pipeline function is that like new developers to JavaScript or anybody that is not up up on like the latest semantics is might not, they don't have to use this but they will run into it because framework people or people that that do code and no code are going to be using these semantics you know fat arrows and things like that because of TypeScript and Babel and everything have been picked up very quickly. Mm-hmm. and so people have got had to rapidly address that and just like the pipe operator you know we didn't even talk about you can add async to things like you can just you can just throw async in and all of a sudden it's an async function on the pipe operator and the semantics like expand out to essentially yeah functions that pass values in in different ways and it's it's I don't know, it's too much for me and I'm way deep into code a lot of
1: times and, and these things. So I can't imagine what it's like for a new developer. Right. There are some things where it does make things look a lot nicer. Like uh, one of the examples they have is with class mixins, which are notoriously hard to read uh, as it is, right? Where you have class that is called inside of, of another function, which is a class mix-in, which is called inside of another function, which is a class mix-in. And so like, they have an example where the class mix are behind the pipe operators, and it makes that look way more readable. So it's like, I think part of this pipe proposal is that there are a number of situations where things are way easier to read and where things do make a lot more sense. But it it where it's awkward, it looks really awkward. And where it's great, it looks really great. Like the, the middle ground seems kind of weird.
3: Like in this example where model is the... Uh, interior thing. And that's the class that you're actually extending. And then the two mixins, shareable and editable are wrapper functions around that. That looks a little weird to me. I understand what's going on, but it's still odd seeing that. Whereas using pipes model is the first thing. So you can see that you are extending model. And then if you think about the pipe operator is just also mixing in these things, then you just list off the mixins after that. And so it, it reads much
0: more cleanly to me.
1: The stuff that alters it, alters the input, like then it, it, it's a little, little easier to track that.
0: Yeah. I just feel like Douglas Crockford's going to have to write <laughs> JavaScript twenty nineteen the or twenty, you know, twenty the I good script, parts. I proposals the good parts. Yeah. Here's here's how to use the pipe operator and here's how not to use it. Like in
1: Well we have that I, with a fat I, arrow, I know right? this is, like
0: Well yeah, for sure. But I know that like this is just a proposal but there's some stuff in here that that's kind of jarring. You can pipe a promise directly into the the await keyword, um, which desugars to uh, await promise. Um, but because that syntax is supported, if you want to pipe something into something and await it, you have to, you have to use parentheses around the await keyword. If, if you want to do an await in there, it's kind of weird because they've, they want to be able to pipe directly into a weight. And I don't know if that's as useful as it is going to be a foot gun. Mm -hmm.
1: We're unwrapping things that used to have clear wrap points, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the most jarring thing is like taking the idea of wrapped statements and then just being like, Oh, well they're not, they're not wrapped anymore. They're like a sequence. Doesn't always result in, in clear instructions. From the example in
2: in one of the documents that they have on the site, they they describe a footgun where you have an, an arrow operator. You know, you have a value passed in and a value return, and then you have two pipes that pipe into functions. And you look at that and you go, "Well, what what's the order of operations there?"
0: Yeah, which is the which is the order like what's what's the most what has yeah. the highest precedence? And they yeah. So if that you see
2: an yet. arrow function and then a pipe to a function and then a pipe to another function, does it? <laughs> Does it run the arrow function first, or does it does it run the values from the arrow function? And like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to apply the the piping to the internals of the function before it's returned, like, what order do you do all this? That it's just it's breaking my mind.
0: And and they they've got a couple different disc- discussions that they've linked to in this document, and and they're they just admit both solutions aren't really intuitive and so if if this goes through as it stands they're just going to require parentheses <laughs> <laughs> which i guess is fine but at the same time it's like i mean it kind of defeats the purpose of making it you know unbound essentially um unbound isn't the right word but i mean there's some interesting examples in here that i think you know, they 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 definitely show the usefulness of it. I'm just worried about how this is going to affect <laughs> other people, um, especially newer newer programmers, because they're gonna they're going to like like uh, I think Neil, you were saying, people are going to see this in the wild. This is, you know, people are gonna be like, oh yeah, we can do fun, you know, pure functional programming, and so now we can just pipe everything in ev- everywhere.
1: Someone's just going to flip, someone's going to flip the table and be like, I'm not learning JavaScript.
0: You know, but I think there, there was
3: probably, I mean, at least I felt that a little bit in 2015 when like rest and spread and error functions and all of this, this new syntax that like was very terse in what it was trying to do. But like the code just looks completely different. And I remember going and reading code like that or watching videos on it. And I had to like pause the videos and like go through in my head, what is actually going on here?
0: Sometimes I still have to do that. Right? (laughs) Yeah, you do.
3: But for the most part, you know, it's kind of just, it just kind of rolls off our our tongues or rolls off our keyboards now. So it's, we've gotten accustomed to it. And I think that jarring new syntax like this will take some getting used to, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of holding my thoughts on what I think about that until, you know, it's been beaten into my head for
0: for months.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think they'll make some concessions by the time it gets to uh, speech too.
0: Yeah. I hope so. The next thing that we wanted, I think we've speaking exhausted of stage pipes. two. Yes, yeah, stage two. We've got uh, decorators uh, that we wanted to talk about, Our, which we've we've used. Yeah, we 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 use. Yeah, uh, decorators are behind an experimental flag in TypeScript. This is one of those things that TypeScript kind of jumped on before it was. Uh, it went to stage three. This was something that they added to the language very early on. I think this is the decorators is one of the reasons why they, they've they implemented this, you know, we're not going to add anything unless it's at stage three. And that's because the decorator's proposal as it exists today is not how it was when TypeScript initially added it to their language.
1: Yeah. I feel like they did a good job of getting it mostly right, though. Sure. Yeah.
3: Oh, absolutely. And th- this was really added as kind of an exception to the... Don't implement things too early in TypeScript, and it was to prevent, I think, Angular from building their own language called AtScript that was basically TypeScript that added these decorators.
2: Yeah, th- this might be a an, an issue of, or this might be a a case of where you know he who ships first wins. I don't think decorators would have made it into the language for a long time. I mean, we're just now finally getting private members on classes. We don't really have an import other than like a Uh, you know, the recent system import, but we don't have module loading yet. We don't have a lot of other things that are, you know, that seem more important. And looking at the decorator spec, it's very interesting, the approach that they've taken. So it's more along the lines of modifiers and, and hooks rather than the wholesale replacement that TypeScript does, which is good, I guess, if it allows you to kind of introspect what the output is and invariants in there that protect you from doing certain things but looking at the spec it, it just seems a little i don't know too much too much semantics for what it does like you have to learn like uh you have to like pay attention. i like that it tells you what kind of decorator you're in like it tells you the kind of decorator whether it's a method or class or, or how it's being used but then it's up to your function to kind of construct this select how you're going to apply your your decorators to it whether it's static or prototypical or how you're going to modify things if you're going to like initialize the value and it, it it still works a lot with their declarations property declarations in a lot of ways but it it's become more verbose and I'm not sure if it's I don't know if it's its benefit
0: yeah there's this thing in here as I'm as I was reading through it about hooks and this kind of came about when, when before we were starting the show, we, we looked at the class decorator spec. Right now in TypeScript, if you've got a class de- decorator, passes the your, your decorator gets past the class itself, and then you can return a new class if you want. Or you can just, you know, modify the one and return the same one out, and it just replaces. And at first when we were looking at it, I was like, okay, we, we get an object, and we have to return an object. So can we replace a class? <laughs> now there's this idea, there's this idea of hooks and it's it's complex.
2: It's more akin to it's kind of closer to aspect oriented programming where you have before and after
0: a little bit. But even your like your after hook can so if you want to replace your class function, you can return from the finish hook. You can return a new class. I haven't read the whole thing and, and some of the reasoning behind this. I like the object coming into your decorator, but the hooks kind of seem a little over the top, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I think a lot of it's for the type of enforcement and, like, correct behavior that they want to employ with the pattern
0: Yeah, so a lot of other
2: languages use essentially proxies to do this, or in the case of like, so Java doesn't have decorators, they have annotations, and they rely on the framework to actually use those annotations to good effect, which is somewhat problematic because if you're, if you use an annotation that's not part of the framework you're using, then you don't get the effect that you expect. So in some ways, I like JavaScript's approach in that you're always going to execute something and you're guaranteed to execute something. And that something can make the decision of, oh, my framework's not up. I should error, or I should like t- t- tell somebody. Whereas in in Java, your annotations f- fail pretty silently. And I don't know too much about C-sharp, but from my understanding, they, they take an annotation approach as well, but they create proxies that wrap your class and add the f- add the behavior post-class. That's a word, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and with, with decorators in, in Python, if you decorate a, a function, your function's passed in, and then you can return a new function that wraps the old function. Um, same with classes as well. And so, what you pass in, you know, what you pass to your decorator gets passed into the function, and you just return something new. So, you know, coming from TypeScript's decorator system right now, and also using python a lot lately this kind of object idea with methods on it and hooks and all this it seems it seems just way over engineered in in my opinion
2: it it does remind me a lot of proxies right now it's okay i mean it it does it it does some things but you have to know a lot of it's just like whenever you deal with like a property decorator you have to know all the things of the property decorator and now there's what five or six now. there's enumerables and get set, value and something else. You, people can tweet at me, but <laughs> <laughs> But I think the private methods are going to add like a, a value initializer as well. And then, yeah, anyway. so it's getting more and more complex, and then the decorators add like a whole other layer on top of that that as complex as the property definitions themselves.
0: Nick, I know you tweeted. You tweeted about this and we're wondering, since we've got the decorators in TypeScript already and it's behind a flag, how's TypeScript going to do this? How, how are they going to get these new decorators in?
3: We, we asked on Twitter kind of what would what would the transition be for decorators as they, as they go? Because if you're using TypeScript right now, you might be using decorators quite a bit, especially if you're using Angular or NestJS or... Even Dojo a little bit has some decorator use in there. And so we we are using those in production TypeScript code right now, but you have to have the experimental decorators flag set in your TS config in order to, to actually be able to use them. I tweeted asking for feedback on maybe how projects or frameworks might, that are currently using features, how they are using decorators, how they could transition over to the new one. And I haven't really heard any feedback from that, but I did hear from... Ryan Kavanaugh from the TypeScript team, saying that they'll almost certainly end up using the experimental decorators flag to do the old way of decorators, and then the lack of a flag would just give you the new decorators when they're available.
2: That's a good way to handle these things. So at least there there'll be a transition plan, and and hopefully, the semantics won't be so different that libraries take a long time to switch over.
0: Yeah. All right. The next one we kind of wanted to highlight was. Uh... Class members and private members, and this one's in stage three.
1: We hint, yeah, we hinted at it on we the last. We at it, yeah. Last time we talked about the roadmap, but we didn't really go into too much detail
0: on it. <laughs> no, we I think we,
1: we're we're planning to have a guest lined up to talk a lot more about like kind of why the decision was made.
0: Yep, I think the one thing that I that I wanted to say was the issue that I see that kind of feels wrong is that we've got public instance fields and public static fields and, and and those sorts of things and that's not a separate proposal from the private ones which seem to be kind of they've they've meshed the, the there's three proposals but public and private are all together in each of these three and so instead of just doing the initializers and the the accessors and such for Uh, public fields separate from the private and and discuss the private ones separately. It's all together. And if you reject the private, you reject the public too.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, private members are something that is good for some things. Like if you have a private member, it's definitely not going to be accessible outside of an object literal. So if you're doing like a custom element, then you can mark something as private and you will have access to that without it being public, which is, you know, something that might be a little weird for us TypeScript developers who are used to actually having access modifiers. Right. Right. But I I think overall it's, it's, it's healthy to have it, but this kind of goes into more syntactic sugar in that now you have to know what a hash means if you're in JavaScript versus, you know, if you're in TypeScript, I want to see, you know, how are they going to merge the public private protected? Mhm because some you you know that some people are going to access private stuff using javascript sin, syntax and have access to those private things like I do for testing sometimes rather than like changing the access modifier I, I if I really need access to something to initialize it and there's no other way to get to it you know in frameworks or other things then yeah I'll I'll use a raw access to that which yeah, if you just transpile it, it Yeah yeah. If you just transpile it all over to hashtags automatically, you know, using from the TypeScript private, then you're going to break some stuff. Definitely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: And it might just be tests. It should hopefully just be tests, but you're definitely going to break some stuff.
0: But you shouldn't be touching.
2: You shouldn't be touching your privates. Is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I said it for you, Brian. Thanks.
0: So you know yeah. overall I don't think that there's having what will essentially be access modifiers with the hash. I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not a fan of how it looks. <laughs> kind of like I was talking about with the pipe operators. But I imagine there's a the reason there's a reason why they chose that and there's some semantic things for instance you won't be able to access privates through a lookup using square brackets. You'll always have to do this dot, what is it, hash, and then the variable.
2: Well, that's interesting. I don't know why they didn't just use private dot instead of this dot.
0: Yeah, that was one of of my thoughts as well, was why not just use private dot instead of this dot hash?
3: Private is a reserved keyword in JavaScript, I believe, but I think that the problem came to compatibility with TypeScript and where that would go, because TypeScript does use private extensively. And how would they reconcile that if they want to go in any different routes? I don't know the specifics on that. There is a long discussion on the TypeScript repo on an issue. I'll put that in the show notes where they're talking about how they're going to reconcile privates with privates. And I think that the private keyword is just going to be a build time thing. Whereas using the hash will be also a runtime thing. So you can say private hash and then have it as build time and private, or maybe that would just be redundant.
2: Yeah, once it's transpiled right now, everything is public because it's JavaScript. And again, like this is, this is one of these interesting things where maybe a transpiler could have done this better. I mean, there's so many things that we don't need the, we don't need the actual language to adopt the semantics if we have a transpiler that will transpile it into human readable semantics. So on, on one side of it, if you do full transpiling, then you never really update the language at all, but eventually your output will look incredibly verbose. And so you're always trying to maintain this balance somewhere between the two and figure out what works best for your language in, in some readable way.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. Well, I think we, we are trying to get a couple of the guys that are championing this proposal on to talk about it and give all of us some
2: I love having the curtain peeled back and, and seeing behind the curtain to see, you know, how did it get there, and like, what are the what are the implications that they've considered, and what are the markets that they're trying to or, or problems that they're trying to solve for the user.
0: Yeah, yep.
2: So, Brian, which proposals are you going to advance to the next stage?
0: What am I going to advance to the next stage? I do want to see the legacy regular expression features advance uh, out of stage three into stage four. To have the, what is it, the, the negative look behind?
2: See, you're just getting back into my pearl bucket every time you talk <laughs> about regular expressions.
0: Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a couple that I'd like to see advance. Um, there's a couple that I'd like to see, you know, be improved a little bit. You know, overall, I like where the language is headed. Stepping off of my porch and saying <laughs> things aren't as bad as they could be. They're really not all that bad. The, the language has progressed quite well over the years. It is
2: way better than being stuck at ES5, no promises. um,
0: Or ES3. You know. (laughs) Even even ES3. You're saying, come
2: children, come play at my grass.
0: Something along those lines.
2: (laughs) Something like that.
0: (laughs) Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up and call this one good. We would appreciate any of your feedback. If you know more than us, feel free to tweet us. And we will see you next time. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to the TalkScript podcast. You can round out your TalkScript experience by viewing our show notes, listening to past episodes, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, and of course, following us on Twitter at TalkScript. We record new episodes every other week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. We've got a good thing going on. Ba, 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 ba.